All right. <laughs> Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. I'm Sydney DeLorean, and we have Rob Love on the line. I'm excited, Rob. How's it going? I'm pretty excited, too, Sydney. Hashtag fan favorite. Be sure and keep it coming on all social media. Hashtag fan favorite at Rob Love's Beard on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Hit me up on Pinterest. I don't have a Pinterest. Hit me up on WhatsApp. <laughs> I don't have a WhatsApp. I am on LinkedIn. I don't get a lot of play on LinkedIn. Not very popular there. But do hit me up on Twitter. Hashtag fan favorite. Hashtag Rob Love's Beard. You, Let's do it, Sydney. I'm excited. You are most pop- most active on Twitter, so that is a good place for people to interact with you. Um, someone recently messaged me on Instagram saying, no more phone interviews, please. Like, they didn't enjoy the sound quality, which honestly, I think is pretty decent. Um, I listen to our phone episodes, and I'm not bothered by it. And I just wrote back, I'm sorry, there's more phone episodes coming. Get used to it. Not all the best co-hosts live in state. So um, until until I buy a bus and convert it to a mobile recording studio and spend my life driving around the country doing podcasts, this is what's happening. We're talking on the phone. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of phone in, um, podcasts either. So to the listener, I, I feel ya. I feel ya. But like Sydney said, we're separated by a great distance and we can't, we just don't have the luxury of being inside the same studio. Yep. Sorry about it. But, um, other people really enjoy the new episodes and they enjoy the episodes with you. So, um, that's good. Feedback. Well, 99% good. Hashtag fan favorite. Yeah, did, uh, that's the, that was my next question. How many people actually use the hashtag fan favorite? Um, I mean, all of them, right? All, all of them. them. All of them. That's do. what I thought. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's why I'm hashtag fan favorite. Because they're doing <laughs> the damn thing. Um, Do you want to tell everyone what we're doing this episode about? Well, this episode is about a young aeronautics enthusiast. He goes by the name of Colton Harris Moore, a.k.a. the Barefoot Bandit. Uh, and he's well, a young is- guy. This is like a recent story. So we've been doing some older, more historical ones. But this guy, Colton Harris Moore, was born uh, March 22nd, 1991. So he is a young fella. He is younger than both of us. And he was born in Mount Vernon, Washington, Um your been there. State. I've been there. They have a great co-op. Oh. <laughs> lots of tulip fields. They grow lots of tulips in Mount Vernon. They do? Yes, it's a big sightseeing excursion uh, every springtime when the tulip, right about now, when the tulip fields are in bloom, people go there and, and take, oh God, I, I was there before Instagram, but with the advent of Instagram, I can only imagine the profusion of Mount Vernon, um, what's the county? Or the valley. Anyway, if you just look up tulip selfies, you're going to see a bunch of them from probably Mount Vernon. Um, I am going to look it up because just this morning I was talking about um, this place uh, called Holland, Michigan, um, and it's in northern Michigan, and it has a really great tulip festival every year. Um, but And I put that on my list of travel places, but now I'm going to add Mount Vernon because why not? Why not go see some tulips? <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it's 
and there's some wine tasting and stuff around there. They try and make it like a little touristy trap, you know, Napa Valley style. Oh. But really, really, once you get there and you spend a couple hours there, you realize it's just the middle of nowhere and there's nothing to do. So then you go find actual stuff to do. But, um, you know, there's no not a lot of pretty sights to see when the tulips aren't blooming in Mount Vernon. But luckily you can, you know, travel off to the San Juan Islands, oh. which are nearby. Yeah, San Juan Islands, lots of boating, um, airplanes. Ooh, this is good <laughs> foreshadowing. I like what you're doing. Camp- camping, you know, uh-huh. that sort of thing. Lots of vacationing. Lots of outdoorsy stuff. Um, so this dude, Colton Harris Moore, you, you mentioned he's a he's a millennial, uh-huh. and uh, he was born born in the, in Mount Vernon into not the greatest household i'm gonna say uh yeah, he mother was... is an alcoholic oh sorry go i'm so sorry uh no, no, no. uh so he mother's, was neglected mother's and... an alcoholic yeah <laughs> i'm gonna edit go, go, go. no i'm gonna <laughs> okay, have yeah. to edit that out it's so bad okay um, let's just a, mo- a moment of silence and then you can for edit clip okay Okay, so I have that he was neglected and abused, so not a great home life. Yes. Yeah, um, apparently his mom was an alcoholic. She named him after the malt liquor Colt 45. Stop it. That's true? That's true, yeah. So that's a good start um, for any kid, for any aviation enthusiast. Um, his dad was even worse than his mom, apparently, um, didn't spend a lot of time around the family. Apparently, I think I read that at one point he, uh, his final straw was at a family barbecue. He like lost his shit and just walked, walked away and never came back. Yeah. He was in jail for like a lot of colton's childhood and then he got out of jail and maybe was not equipped to handling family life because it is different than jail and just something at that barbecue was set him off i can i mean i feel his pain i've been there i've been to barbecues i've i've felt the frustration (laughs) when there's like when there's not only is there macaroni salad but there's also potato salad and coleslaw, and those are the only vegetarian items. It's like, what am I supposed to fill up on mayonnaise and, like, noodles? What, <sighs> what's going on here? I, yeah, what's I going would, on? I don't like mayonnaise. I'm against it. It upsets me. I also don't like veganaise. I had a situation with a boyfriend where he wanted to keep veganaise in my fridge. So when we made food at my house, he would have it there. And, but he put it on like burritos and pizza and I oh. refused and I said, there will be no veganaise in my house. I cannot handle seeing that when I open my fridge and I'm not an uptight person about food stuff, but something about mayonnaise is so disturbing to me. Um, but my friend Jeff Gaiman eats mayonnaise in quantities that it's just unsettling and he is in fact a monster and I don't know what came first like he <laughs> eats the mayonnaise and it made him a monster or he eats the mayonnaise <laughs> because he's a monster but either way there is a correlation there 
Yeah, it's the whole chicken and the egg thing. Uh, oh, God, that I feel a little sick to my stomach after all of that mayonnaise talk. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, we'll, we'll push forward. We'll push forward. So uh, more about this, this, this young aviation enthusiast. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what do you, you have the timeline going. So, it, so from what I read. Family life, not great. And in 1998, when he was seven, he yes, started yes. living in the wild. And that was the wording. Uh, he started living in the wild <laughs> at, at the age of seven. And he would break into vacation homes and steal blankets, food, and water. And he would just disappear in the woods for days. So obviously, the parental situation like his mom has to be a severe next level alcoholic that her seven year old is just disappearing into the woods for days at a time. And like he's living like a feral child. It's like, um, those, uh, those Russian kids where after <laughs> the war, there were just wild children who, you know, were being kept warm at night by, uh, wild dogs. Uh, I, yeah. I, I saw it on like a TLC thing about wild children. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't quite that bad, but it is it is pretty bad. He was definitely neglected. I should back up a little bit. He was born in Mount Vernon. We mm-hmm. mentioned that, but then when he was a he was young, his family moved to Camano Island, which is in the San Juan Islands off of the main coast of Washington. So it's uh, away from the tulip fields, off into sort of Camano Island is mainly it's like split fifty fifty between like vacation community. So, like, gated community with, um, oh, like, 60s era, really nice, like, vacation homes that are absent, like, empty eight months out of the year. Mm-hmm. And then the other half, of, then the other half of the island is just rural, like, dirt people, like, rednecks, uh, like Pam, uh, I don't know if her name was Harris, but, uh, <clears throat> Colton's mom, Pam. And the, I saw a photo of the, the trailer that the home that they lived in was basically just a trailer, um, not on wheels, you know, like the kind that's just per- a permanent trailer. And it was uh, showing signs of wear. Um, at one point, one of the neighbors said that uh, it spent an entire winter with no windows. Oh, my God. Um, and it's just, yeah, there's like tarps you know, in spots on the top of it, you know, to keep leaks out. So it's basically just like a shambles, you know, terrible place for a kid to grow up. So it's no surprise that he would wander off and just kind of like find these really nice houses that had all the stuff that he wasn't used to that he did want. And he could just kind of like maybe Jimmy a lock or maybe the door, the sliding glass door was even just left open and he could just wander in and like take a bath. He would make himself some popcorn. Well, yeah, I was thinking like it's not even stuff that he wants. It's stuff that he needs. And he's kind of in a prime location if there's vacation homes that are sitting empty for the majority of the year. Like it is for a kid who's hungry and cold and dirty like it does make sense to be like why am i living in a trailer with no windows when there are these great houses nearby that have running water and heat like so it just seems like a natural survival impulse no, it's not really criminal at that point it's just survival it's resourceful mm-hmm. if you ask me 
Yeah, he's just making use of what's around him. And he's uh, he's freaking, let's face it, he's a child and not, you know, I don't know, criminally <laughs> liable or whatever, but his frontal cortex hasn't fully developed. So he's just like, you know, whatever. And plus, he's from a terrible home. He's from a, literally a broken home. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I know. Well, it starts off, yeah. I mean, this is a very... Um, you feel for this guy a lot the entire time. Yeah. Oh, hey, did I mention? Oh, we should start this um, episode with Matt Farley's uh, Colton Harris Moore song. Okay. If you can, if you're able to. If not, we'll post a link. But if you can't, I asked his permission. He hasn't replied yet, but he has already granted permission in the past that he can use any song of his for any reason. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not too worried about that. But <clears throat> if you're worried about like getting taken down off of platforms because oh. you're using other people's music, but if you have, if you're okay with it, then I think we should both intro and outro okay. with uh, Matt Farley's Colton Harris Moore song. Yeah, it's absolutely. Very good. Well, everything he good. does is very good. Um, of course. So of course. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let's see. So he's <laughs> seven years old. He's breaking into vacation homes and basically living out in the woods on his own for the most part. His mom is uh, unemployed. Um, there's no food in the house. You know, she's basically not available emotionally. So he's just, like you said, he's a feral child, essentially. Um, um, yeah, a, a lot of that makes me think of the movie The Florida Project, um, which was by the uh, writer director of Tangerine. Um, but the Florida project is about the children of people who live outside of the Orlando theme park. So Orlando, you have like, uh, Disney World and you have Universal Studios, whatever, but like there's a lot of poverty outside around it because the only, like the whole economy is based on theme parks, which are low paying jobs. And so if you go outside of what's made to look picturesque, you get a lot of like rundown motels and abandoned buildings because everything else in the area went out of business. And it follows the children of the people in poverty um, who live in this area. And they are like the whole time I was watching the movie, I was so upset because these children are just running wild. You know, they're setting fire to abandoned buildings and they're kind of hustling people for food money they're just feral children uh roaming the streets and it was really upsetting uh to me um so he here we have you know feral child he's he's running loose and um in 2003 his first conviction uh for stolen property happened he was 12 and then by the time he was 13 he had three more uh convictions for stolen property so he's already entered the system at the age of 12 yeah and he was those early uh thefts convictions for theft or whatever were <clears throat> he would like break into a place steal a bike you know it was just stuff that he needed wanted it wasn't like he was stealing jewelry or you know anything like that at first there wasn't a macy's uh, on kamano island that he was stealing watches at no and he wasn't breaking he wasn't even targeting like he would pass by expensive items on his way to go take a bath mm -hmm. you know what i mean like he wasn't he wasn't there just to like 
deal. You know, he was just getting by. Um, and so for those first few convictions, you know, he would, he'd be sentenced for like a few days or something and given a little bit of like probation or something. Um, so it was basically Penny Annie stuff at first and he was just kind of like getting put into and back out of the system and then he would end up back into it again. And then at a certain point he did get, uh, he got convicted for three years as a juvenile, if I'm not mistaken. And, uh, from, he, he got out of juvie and was in a rest home. A and rest was facing, home? Oh, no, sorry, not a rest home, a halfway house. God damn it. I was like, <laughs> I mean, maybe he needed some rest. He's tired from so all he, that he stealing. Broke, he broke into a rest home. <laughs> no, he was, he was in a halfway house after his stint at juvie and he was facing, you know, it was some, you know, years of probation or something like that. And that's when he basically like climbed out of a window and just disappeared. And that's what started his whole crime spree. Oh, he broke out of juvie. Yeah, I saw that. It was like he managed to escape a con like the way Wikipedia worded it was not very good. It was like he managed to escape a three year conviction uh, by just walking away from his group home. And I was like, but I don't think it works like that. Like you don't just go, yeah. oh, I don't want to be arrested anymore. I'll just walk away. Yeah. I think he was convicted. Of, I don't know the exact specifics, but I think he was convicted. He probably did sometime in the actual juvenile hall or whatever, or maybe Camino Island <laughs> doesn't have the greatest um, support facilities for for stuff like that. So he was probably he just ended up in like this group home halfway house for for juvie kids, and uh, you know limited security. He just said, "Okay, well, I don't want to be here for the next three years or however long." So he just. He just bailed. Um, yeah, so that was, I don't have the year that that happened. I think that was 2008. Um, and. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and then I have in fall 2009, this is where he, uh, started, he got the moniker of the barefoot bandit because in fall 2009, the police found footprints at an airport hangar in Bonners, Ferry, Idaho, and a that's a little bit later. That's a little bit later. Yeah. Well, it's in He's 2009, like, and then there was another incident in 2010. Um, okay, that involved yeah, well, being he barefoot. Bummed, he bummed around. <clears throat> he was barefoot a lot. If you, some things you read say, oh, it's just a nickname. Like he wasn't actually barefoot that much. He was barefoot a lot. So it was a, you know, well-earned nickname, but, um, which in honor, in honor of him, I am barefoot right now. I I meant to say that up top. Um, (laughs) it's also because I just painted my toenails, but also for this episode. Well, that's cool because I'm recording this from inside a broken into vacation home. Oh, perfect. You really yeah, do go yeah. there. <laughs> Hashtag fan favorite. Mm-hmm. So he kind of bummed around um, Northwest Washington for a while. He uh, eventually, he, he did steal. The first plane he stole was um, <clears throat> belonged to a local radio personality by the name of Bob Rivers. Bob Rivers uh, owned a, a vacation home in Orcas, on Orcas Island, and he had a personal airplane there. And... Uh, 
aviation young aviation enthusiast Colton Harris Moore um when he was breaking into people's houses he would like look on their internet and he would steal their steal laptops and he would uh look up like how to hotwire an airplane how to fly an airplane he was also apparently he he liked to play flight simulator games so he was sort of versed in the mechanics of you know, flight or whatever. And this goes back to, you know, he's a young aviation enthusiast. That's sort of been his thing this whole life. <laughs> but, uh, so he steals Bob Rivers plane and under really bad weather conditions, he steals it and he takes it up flying. He's able to get it off the ground because that's apparently the easiest part of flying a plane is like getting it off the ground huh. and flying it. The landing is a little harder, mm-hmm. but so he, he steals this plane from Orcas Island and he takes off over the Cascade mountain range, which is, you know, really high. Um, and in bad weather conditions, he's up at like 13,000 feet flying this plane, um, getting battered by winds. Apparently he got airsick because they found vomit on the inside of the plane, oh. but he managed, he managed to get over the Cascade mountains. Um, and he, he tried to land near Yakima somewhere, which is whatever. It's just on the other side of the mountain. But, uh, he approached what looked like a field or something, but then once he tried to land, it became apparent that it was a clear cut with a bunch of stumps everywhere. So, (laughs) so he basically touched the plane down on this, like, uh, uh, if you've ever seen, it looks like stubble. Yeah. You know, it's like tree, uh-huh. tree, tree stubble. stubble. So not something that you would want to fly a plane into. So he immediately crash landed. And I guess like the airbags deployed in the plane, like they have airbags now or something. Mm-hmm. So that kind of saved his life. He ended up walking away. Um, and then from there, he like wandered down to Reno, Nevada lied about his age and got a job working at a casino for about six months. Stop it. So he said he was what, 18 or 21 or whatever. Yeah, I think he was already 18. He must have said he was 21. And uh, so I guess just worked at a casino for a while and then eventually made his way back to uh, stealing vehicles. That was, I think, so that was the first plane he stole. He stole two more planes. The third one that he stole was the one that he ended up taking back to Orcas Island, Washington. Like, he he went up to Idaho or something and stole a plane and flew it back to Washington, crash-landed it, <laughs> then stole another plane, and which was a really nice plane, apparently. It was like a $650,000 plane. Like a super, yeah, like a super nice one like the kind where the wings are beneath you as you're looking out of the cockpit. You know what I'm saying? Not the ones where the wings are above you. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, I got you. I if, got you. Yeah. If you know, you know. And if you know, you're a baller, baby. I guess <laughs> but, so. Uh, so he flew that one back to Orcas Island, and he managed to actually land it pretty well. I mean, the plane was... It could have been flown. It was damaged. You know, it had a bunch of damage or whatever. But um, so for the third time, he crashes the plane and walks away. I would say not crashes. He skillfully, skillfully um, mislands the plane. Okay. <laughs> it's not a full-on crash. It's like a, 
if you were if you or I were to to try and land a plane and we did what he did, we'd be like, "Yeah, fucking nailed it, dude." <laughs> <laughs> So he did that. He ends up back in Orcas Island. And, uh, I mean, there's just, I have a list here. He was convicted of, I mean, when he eventually was convicted. Sorry, spoiler alert. There was like over 100 burglaries. He stole 11 boats, 14 cars, three guns, and five airplanes. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a, that's a, and I think we should just say how impressive it is to teach yourself how to fly planes from the internet and flight simulators and then to be able to successfully steal so many planes. Um, and the hot, hot wire cars, all this stuff. He managed to, and I don't know how he managed to do it, but he would like break into people's uh, vacation homes, use their laptop to order things off the internet. Like one of the first things he ordered was um, some uh, bear mace and night vision goggles. Yeah, I saw a (laughs) $6,000 pair of night vision goggles. My question is like, where did he have this stuff sent? Did he just have it sent to the, I guess he could just have it sent to the home he was staying in because the people weren't around for months. I guess that's just true, yeah. I just, I just, that occurred to me just now. Like, I never really figured out how he did that. But, so he would order stuff off the internet and learn, you know, learn how to break into things. And uh, kind of a genius. I mean, he was really good at what he did. Now, this goes back to, let me just introduce this concept of the, um, the wild man outlaw. Mm-hmm. And that's been something that's prevalent <clears throat> in, like, you know, whatever folklore, but people basically mountain men that would just sort of survive on their own, just separate from society off the grid. And they would occasionally break into cabins or whatever, just to, you know, get what they needed to survive. And then they would disappear again. So he kind of did that, but then took it to the next level. Like he was the first millennial, uh, wild man outlaw. Yeah. He was like, uh, like it was a, like Jesse James, Jesse James mixed with um, ah oh, fuck, never mind. <laughs> I had the reference earlier, but go. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say he definitely has that old west cowboy outlaw thing going for him, and then added this sort of technology aspect of it. He's very much like a, a Han Solo, um, who was a smuggler. Um, and if, if you if you read any. If you read any Star Wars novels, he's always getting into sort of hijinks like that. Yeah, and not only was uh, Colton Harris Moore a a smuggler, he was a smuggler of the lady's heart. Stop it. Because he had had this huge following. Um, He was, you know, like like I said, he was a millennial. He was, this was in the Facebook era that Mm -hmm. this happened. So he... When he would break into these vacation homes, he'd look into their laptops and he would look up and he would look himself up on, on the computer and um, kind of play into the narrative that was going around. At one point, he um, he was driving a stolen car past um, like an animal a vet clinic on Camino Island or uh-huh. Orcas Island. I forget which one. And uh, he stopped and slipped a $100 bill under the door with a note that said, uh, I was just driving by, I had an extra hundred bucks, 
please use it for the care of the animals. And animals was mis- misspelled. <laughs> there was no I. <laughs> animals. And then it was signed. It was signed Colton Harris Moore, a.k.a. the Barefoot Bandit. And it was like totally an obvious ploy. I mean, in one respect, it was like, oh, cool. That was like a... um you know, steal from the rich, give to the poor kind of move. But on the other hand, it was a very calculated, like, social media move. Well, because it did, yeah. Uh, well, so so he did, I had the, the thing in the fall of 2009 when they found uh, footprints at an airplane hangar, and it's because he stepped in something. There was something powdery, and he left, like, footprints everywhere. And then cut to February 2010, um, police in the San Juan Islands found cartoonish chalk outlines of feet drawn on the floor of a grocery store that he broke into. So, like, because he was dubbed the Barefoot Bandit, he played into it and then started drawing, bringing chalk and like doing chalk outlines of feet, um, when he would break into a place. So he, he, I think he was into this, you know, he was kind of into this, uh, media game. Um, for sure. Yeah. He totally was playing into it. And, um, he eventually, some people made a, a Facebook fan page for him that eventually reached like a hundred thousand followers. And there were t-shirts being sold that said fly Colton fly. Um, he had a big like cult following. It was almost like, um, the movie Pulp Fiction where mm-hmm. Mickey, Mickey and Mallory, Mickey and Mallory became like, um, like, uh, you know, pop culture icons, mm-hmm. you know, it was, it was kind of like that, except without, without all the murder. <laughs> um, yeah, I read one of the shirts had like a cartoon of Colton shrugging and it said, mama tried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is just so fucking cheesy. Um, I love it. Uh, <sighs> so it's pretty great. Um, so he, he makes his way. He bums around. Oh, the, 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 the grocery store that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. He was hanging around and I think you said San Juan Island and he was there for like a couple of months and people knew he was there. They even like hired or dispatched bounty hunters who were going to go and we're going to, you know, very determined, like he's not going to get away from us. Of course he got away from them. And uh, cause they were just roided out idiots with like <laughs> flak jackets on. Yeah. But they didn't realize. They were up against a dude who could, like, you know, disappear without a trace. <laughs> so he bummed around San Juan Island, just like breaking into vacation homes, just hanging out for a couple months. And every once in a while, like I think it would happen three times, he broke into this um, this grocery store, and uh, the dude, the owner of the store, got fed up at one point and like hold up. He decided he was going to spend the, like he was just going to sleep there. So he like stayed in the grocery store um, on like an air mattress with those two dogs and a gun and a loaded gun. But that's the same store where, where like you said before, he had broken into and uh, left cartoonish chalk outlines of giant feet, 39 of them in total. <laughs> and, uh, and then near the exit, you know, where he left before he left the, the rear door or whatever, he made a big chalk. See ya with like the letter C Y A exclamation point. See ya. So literacy so not think- his strong point. Um but a lot of other <laughs> talents. He has a lot of talents. Well, in 
internet savvy because I mean that's pretty much internet speak. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the beginnings of internet speak. So I don't know. He was just playing into that whole thing, and he was. I think he was loving it. You know, but he didn't have a huge ego. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem like he was out for the glory. He was just out for the adventure. He's just having you know, a good time. Doing, he was just having a good time. And he'd been fed a giant plate of shit for his entire life growing up until then. And he was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck it. Why yeah. not? You know? So I I have to say, I'm a huge fan of Colton. <laughs> I love this guy. Even after all the stuff he did and like... Uh, you know, he may have done some, some bad things. Like, um, he, on one of his trips, he, he went up to Canada. He took a, stole a boat, went up to Canada, tried to steal a plane, broke into a hangar. The hangar tried to break into a hangar. It was locked. Tried to break. There was like three locked hangars. He eventually got into one of them and tried to steal a plane, but he couldn't. So he tried to steal three cars and he couldn't steal any of them. He ended up walking back across the border into, um, I think it was Idaho and, uh, where he eventually stole another car or something like that. But, um, what eventually led to his downfall after all these, you know, hijinks we've been talking about, he, he was in, <clears throat> I think it was Indiana or was it Ohio? Something like that. He, uh, he found a house where the family had been away on vacation for like a week. And so he was just like hanging out in their house and they came home, um, like at midnight or something and surprised the fuck out of him. Um, he, he arrives like at the, the basement, you know, like the door to the basement or something like naked. The, the oh, dad no. like sees him and he's like bare ass naked. And he t- hauls ass back down the basement stairs or something, and the guy tries to follow him, but then um, Colton there's more like points a laser at his chest, at the dude's chest, and says, I've got a gun, and I'll shoot. And so the guy backs off, right? He uh-huh. calls 911, and then by the time the cops show up, Colton's gone. Ooh. So, yeah, so from there, he eventually does get, he does steal a plane, and he flies it from, like I said, I think it was Indiana, 1,200 miles to the Bahamas. And he <laughs> does one of his famous um, skillful <laughs> landings. <laughs> skillful landings in like this um, marsh, basically, like a swamp, um, a mile off the coast of this island, um, <clears throat> and kind of hangs out in Bermuda for a couple of weeks and he hangs out on one island for a while, steals a boat, goes to another island. <laughs> um, and we should say the- like, so he, it was July 4th, 2010 that he stole the plane in Indiana and flew it to the Bahamas. And two days later, he's indicted the F and the FBI uh, places a $10,000 bounty for information leading to his arrest. So at this point, he's like, he's a wanted man. Um, And uh, yeah, yeah, he's been, he's been on the FBI. So he was only put on the FBI most wanted list 
after that Indiana plane stealing thing? That's what I have is that is when okay. the FBI got involved. Um, and I think maybe okay. cause it's like international at that point. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was on July 6th that he was indicted, which I, I think means charges were filed, right? I think probably, yeah, indicted, meaning we're going to arrest your ass. And yeah, 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 charges without without even having you in custody, they can do that, I mm-hmm. guess. That's what an indictment is. But yeah, I think what probably led to the most wanted thing is because he did threaten to shoot that dude. Yeah. Um, that, that, that father of four or six or whatever, whoever it was. Um, so yeah, he, he ends up in Bermuda. He's hanging out and, uh, he, he's like hanging out at this club, like, a like a nightclub. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the, the owners or employees, you know, recalled seeing him around and he would like steal snacks and waters and just like hang out in the nightclub and, uh, you know, partying it up with snacks and waters, like one does. That's and how then, I party. <laughs> and then, uh, I guess at one point, he was, like, talking to some local teens, and they were like, hey, are you the Barefoot Bandit? Because um, he was barefoot. <laughs> <laughs> he was the whole the whole time, and he was hanging out in Bermuda, he was barefoot. So they're like, hey, are you the Barefoot Bandit? And he was like, yeah like an idiot yeah like yeah and then so these teenagers knew about the ten thousand dollar reward and immediately went and fucking ratted him out and so he had to like go steal a boat real quick (laughs) and like he was headed off to open waters he before this he he had been in contact with his mom and his mom uh, like probably by email or whatever and uh, his mom encouraged him to go to Cuba or some place that didn't have an extradition agreement with the U S. So he was, he he hopped on this boat and he was going to try, he was just, he was just going to book it to open water and he was hoping to make it to Cuba. But, um, he ended up on the sandbar. He didn't see this like sandbar and his boat, his boat bottomed out. And, uh, these, these Bahamian, like cops were on his tail. He got a, like a five minute heart head start on him. Mm-hmm. But these Bahamian cops like commandeered just some other dude's boat. They're like, Hey, we're chasing a barefoot bandit. Can we take your boat? And the dude they asked was like, Hey mom, these guys, <laughs> these guys are chasing the barefoot bandit. Can they take our boat? And his mom's like, yeah, okay. So he's like, yeah, let's go. I just think that's so funny. It's the so, guy had to ask. That's the so cops weird. Are like, We're chasing a national, an international fugitive. We need your vessel. And the guy's like, hey, mom. You <laughs> got to okay? get mom's permission. So they take off after him. Uh, Colton bottoms out on the sandbar. They pull up next to him and they like fire guns into his, uh, the motors, like the, the motors of his boat to disable it. So he's just stuck on the sandbar. And, uh, the story has it that he like put a gun to his head and was threatening suicide. Um, but they like talked him down or whatever. So they arrest him. Um, the Bahamian police have him in custody. They, are going to withhold him from extradition until um, 
his fine of three hundred dollars is paid. That was the <laughs> shocking kind of part is that it was only three hundred dollars <laughs> for stealing a boat. It kind of reminds me of um, when the hazard getting eighty six out of New Zealand. Like you're gonna pay us five pounds and also get the fuck out. Yes. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so his mom wires the three hundred dollars to the Bahamas. <laughs> And the Bahamas releases him to U.S. authorities, and he is then brought on to charges federally and in the state of Washington, um, federal charges. He ends up pleading guilty, I think, to six things or whatever. He, he, uh, he's sentenced to six and a half years in prison federally. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, then the Washington state proceedings take place. And he's sentenced to roughly the same, maybe seven years or something. And uh, he's able to get him concurrent. So he's serving the, the, the two sentences concurrently, right? And he's re- he's uh, required to repay damages in the amount of over a million dollars for all the stuff that he's done. Um, and one of the stipulations is that he cannot he cannot profit from his crime. Which is, like, standard. However, here's the thing, that that law came from the Son of Sam murders, and the Son of Sam was going to, like, publish his book deal or whatever, and, and, and then the Supreme Court ruled that you can't profit off of violent crimes. So oh. his, his, his crimes actually didn't qualify. He was actually able to um, sell the rights to his story if he wanted to. And that's exactly what is what he did. Unfortunately, I was when when I first started looking into the story, I was under the impression that he decided never to sell the story of the uh, you know his story because then it wouldn't be a story anymore. Yeah. Um, but he ended up selling the rights to his story for a million dollars, and that million dollars was um, directly applied towards his his owing. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. So he, yeah. So he, that knocked it down to like 125 or $150,000 or something like that. And he spent his, you know, he was sentenced to prison. He spent his like six years in prison or so before being released on parole. And, um, at which point, like his mom was getting sick or whatever. So he, I gotta stop saying or whatever. I'm just, fucking <laughs> and, uh, uh, so he set up like a GoFundMe to, to help his mom with her like medical bills. And the court said, nope, nope. If you set up any kind of GoFundMe and you gain any kind of money, it has to go to pay the victims. You can't use it for anything else. So he abandoned that. And then he, so he's going to, he's working at the law office of his public defender, just doing like filing and just dumb stuff or whatever, or whatever. And then, uh, he, he sets up another GoFundMe to attend flight school. Like he wants to like get $125,000 together to, to attend flight school because he is, you know, a young aviation enthusiast. Um, and then once again, the court says, no, you can't do that because if, if you gain any money, you have to pay it towards restitution. So, um, currently, currently he's out of jail. He's hanging out. He's living his life. He still owes 
at least as far as I know, he still owes um, like a hundred thousand dollars or something. Uh, he, I think he got married. No, uh, I think so. Um, I think his mom might have died. This is like fodder for the next pup date. But um, <clears throat> also, <sighs> also. Sydney, just like with Jay-Z Knight, mm-hmm. he's a huge Trump supporter. Oh, yeah. That is the weird thing. So he started before he was even let out of prison on parole, uh, like the a year before, he started publishing this blog, which has since been taken down. Um, he stated his intent was to break his longstanding silence. And also to vote his support for then presidential candidate Donald Trump. Um, (laughs) And you're just like, really, that's what you're doing with your time in the prison computer lab? Um, Which, you know, maybe this is where he becomes less of a guy who's just trying to survive and more of a guy with the attitude of I take what I need um, or what I want. Uh, which is, you know, a, a Trump thing. Um, what I wonder is. So you, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So with his goal of funding flight school, like I get it, but then I wonder he's never going to get hired by a commercial airline because of his criminal past. So like he would maybe just then be allowed to be a private pilot, but his criminal past might also prevent him from getting a pilot's license. Um, I knew someone back in my punk rock days when I was a punk rock teenager and hung out with gutter punks and stuff. I knew this guy who was a train enthusiast, like very similar to this. He loved trains um, and he had an arrest record for breaking into trains or for train hopping. And so he could never then work for the railroads because of his arrest record. Um, and he's like, yeah, I can actually now never become a certified uh, conductor or anything because I have railroad related crimes on my record. Um, and so that made me think, like, would he even be able to get approved for even a private pilot's license based on his criminal history? I don't know to what extent they regulate that. I think that you're you're correct in all of that. I think he is prohibited from <laughs> from flying planes, especially in this post nine eleven world. But um, <clears throat> he he does. I think he switched his. Um, he wants to do like avionautics, like engineering, oh, aeronautics, okay. engineering. Uh-huh. So yeah, he's always been into like drawing pictures of planes. In fact, like even when he was a little kid, living in that fucking ramshackle trailer in uh, Camino Island, he would draw pictures, like really nice pictures of like airplanes. And uh, there was one uh, mur- uh, collage that he had created when he was like 15 mm-hmm. that his mom showed to the police when they showed up to uh, question her about him. And it, it was all full of like, uh, you know, cut out photos of airplanes and food and stacks of money. It was <laughs> a vision board. That- it was a vision board, exactly, uh-huh. exactly, yeah. But he was very, you know, he's always been really intelligent and artistic. And uh, here's my question for you. Do you think that Trump is as big a fan of Colton Moore 
as Colton Moore is Colton Harris Moore is a, a fan of Trump. What do you think? I don't think Trump is a fan of anyone other than himself. Really? Yeah. I listen, I'm not a Trump expert, but I don't see him uh speaking like giving other people accolades. Um is usually just himself. Yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. <laughs> He's a narcissist, so they often don't have opinions on other people because they're too busy with themselves. That's true. Other people are only exist to further their own means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, too bad. I bet they would. I bet they would get along. I mean, maybe. Um, Colton Harris Moore stole other people's vehicles. Trump stole the government's money, getting his businesses bailed out. So they're both like super into building themselves up on the backs of others. Um, <laughs> so that's, I think that's the whole story of of the barefoot bandit. Do you have anything else to add? I mean, that's it. He is out now. And that's, um, I mean, what a like fast resolution to go from sep. Uh, from 2010, he's, you know, being chased down by the FBI to, you know, 2016, he already got let out. That's just so wild to me. Um, you're in, yeah. It's a whirlwind. What? Yeah. I said it's a whirlwind. It's, it's a perfect story for this, like, generation where things need to happen quickly. So. Yeah, yeah. Colton Harris Moore, the first of the, uh, you know, the first millennial wild man outlaw bandit. Yeah. Well, He's the best. I like him. I like him. He gets your Tell vote. Tell me what you think, Sydney. I think, uh, yeah, what do you think, Sydney? I don't think he's a bad guy or a good guy, but I think he's obviously a very smart guy. I think he's a very skillful technician. Yes. Um, yeah, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's impressive. Um that it is impressive. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a All way. Right. Well, I hope I hope to see his his story come out. I think I mean like he sold the rights to a movie or whatever. So I think at some point there should be a movie coming out, right? Mm, there Don't is you a, think? there's a documentary out that's not available for uh to for streaming anywhere. Um, but it came out in twenty fourteen and I'm still gonna try to find a way to watch that. And then the movie about yeah. him hasn't entered production yet, but I think it'll be right. a really fun ride once it is out. Yeah. Okay, for sure. Well we'll look for that and we'll do a pup date about it when it comes out. We'll like you know, we'll both watch it and do a film review. We'll do a Patreon um commentary. Oh yeah. So yeah, good idea. Yeah. yeah nice, nice. Um well happy right. hump day, one, everyone. Yeah, happy hump day. Hashtag fan favorite. <laughs> Go support Sydney on the Patreon. I'm gonna be the first subscriber. What do you think about that? Well, I don't want you to subscribe on the Patreon. I'm trying to do a Patreon so I can pay the web hosting and then put you on the payroll since you're our research technician um you know okay well i'll, I'll just have my friend lob rub there, ew subscribe. that's like the porn star version of you lob rub <laughs> <laughs> happy hump day everybody happy hump day <laughs> <laughs> 
Colton Harris Moore, barefoot bandit. Put on your shoes and stop robbing people. Oh, yeah, Colton Harris Moore. Don't be a bad person, be a good person. Do the right thing, put on your shoes and quit robbing people. Oh, yeah. Frightening for people to have someone break into their house and take their belongings, don't you know? You can really, really make a person feel very frightened all of the time by breaking into their house just once, even if they're not home when you did it. It's very, very terrifying. Colton Harris Moore, don't be a bad person put on your shoes don't be a barefoot bandit oh yeah you have got to do good stuff all the time colton harris moore don't steal airplanes colton harris moore don't be a bad guy colton harris moore don't be a barefoot Person, do the right thing. Pay back the money that you owe all the people that you stole from. If you want money, get a job. Oh, yeah. Colton Harris Moore. Don't be a barefoot burglar.